Hey there, future friends. This week, it's raining water, malcontent men, and a menagerie of animals. It's the week of January 17th, 2020, and this is episode 161 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show we have um we have a show i mean it's not it's not bad it's really not bad it's also not great i've, I've seen better i've seen worse if we're being honest i could take it or leave it though there's one film above all that i'm excited for and i've been talking about this film for a while and maybe i was a little heavy-handed in the intro and you already know what that movie is but if you don't stick around and you will find out but hey guess what i finally saw star wars the rise of skywalker and all of those people who hate it say it's crap they're um oh what's the word they're wrong yes they are wrong they are just hateful hateful people who probably never gave the movie a chance in the first in the first place as i've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks now you know it I know it, so it's the truth. No one hates Star Wars more than a Star Wars fan. And some of the reviews I read out there are just people that were looking for a reason to hate it, that were going into the movie for a reason to hate it. And I think it's just sad. For an actual good review, you can wait till I write mine, which should come out sometime it actually may already be out. I don't know. I'm starting recording on Sunday. So as of now, it's not out, but maybe as of Friday, it's out. But you know who else talked about the movie and did a good job about it was Robbie and Lisa from the We're Doing Fine podcast. They brought up some good reasons that the film wasn't uh, wasn't that great. They brought up some issues with it that were, yeah, okay, I see it. I don't fully agree with their issues, but I do see it. And I admit going, hey, yeah, that is a good point to bring up. But they also admitted that it's a fun movie. It's a good movie. And yes, I cried and cried and cried. And I learned, or actually relearned, that Adam Driver is a national treasure. Well, my friends, let us talk about what this show is about, just in case you're new. Who is this man talking about Star Wars? Who is he? Well, I am Billiam, and I am a podcast host. Go figure, right? Who knew that? I knew. You knew if you've... uh. If you've listened to the show before, welcome back. You knew that. Yeah, you did. Well, just in case you're new, let me introduce you to the show. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam, and on this show, we do a few things. All of the things are movie-related, so let me start by saying we do some sort of intro. You've heard it. It's always random. I never know what I'm going to talk about. That's a lie. I knew I was going to talk about Star Wars this episode. I, I, I knew it. Yeah. But sometimes I just start rambling, and as you may know, if you're a fan, sometimes it works out. Sometimes you're like, what the f*** is this guy talking about? Can he get on, uh, get on with the movies? Well, yes, I can. So we talk about movies on the show. First, we talk about movie news, and then we talk about movie trailers. In both cases, there are any new news and new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. Then we go on to the movies. Those are all of the movies coming out during the week. Those come in two flavors. First, a boring vanilla 
limited releases. And next is a more interesting Neapolitan of wide releases and interesting indies. In both of these sections, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. That is where the limited stop. And then in the wide releases, we do just a little more. We talk about, or I talk about, I talk about my thoughts on the film, what I think about it based only on the trailer. Then I give it a score called the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. That score goes anywhere from a zero for those terrible looking films to an 11 to those films that kick it up that extra notch. And then we wrap it all up with a question of the week. And then I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, as well as the good, good friends of the show. Well, you know what? Let us not take any more time. Let us not waste another moment and jump into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from The Guardian. No, not that TV show with Simon Baker. No, this is the newspaper. And they say that real life inspiration for stripper drama Hustlers sues the film producers for $40 million. Samantha Barbish, the former stripper who inspired the Jennifer Lopez movie, is suing the companies behind the film for $40 million, alleging that they used her character and likeness. They have exploited it and is seeking $20 million compensation and an additional $20 million in damages. Jennifer Lopez's character Ramona Vega is apparently based off Samantha, Samantha, Samantha Barbish, and she says that she was approached by the film's producers about her involvement, but she claims that they offered her, quote, peanuts. She alleges that they tried to obtain a consent and waiver, but she refused to sign it. Also, she believes she has been defamed because Jennifer Lopez's character uses and manufactures illegal substances in her home where she lives with her child. Oh no, the poor criminal <laughs> believes this movie defamed her. Are you f***ing kidding me? A, I had no interest in watching this movie. A lot of people are talking, yay, women power. Are you f***ing kidding me? No, just because the people they were exploiting may not have been good people doesn't make them good. They were criminals too. They were drugging and stealing from men. And brought up a good point and says if you switch the genders, it is outrageous and it would cause such an outrage if you had a movie where male strippers were doing it to women, like drugging and robbing women. That that would be huge. We would have another cancel culture thing, like, oh, cancel the male version of Hustlers. We can't have this. So not only is this movie about garbage people all around, but the main person that it's about, one of the people who actually got in trouble for doing this, another garbage person, is suing for the use of her likeness and defamation of character. You don't have a character that can be defamed. And I know I bet you there are quite a few of you, my, my future friends, who saw this movie and liked it. And you know what? Good for you. Honestly, if you like it, cool. That's great. I just have no interest in this. So no thank you. This next story comes to us from Flickering Myth. There is a rumor that Marvel may have regained the full rights to Hulk and Namor. Hulk, of course, you know because of all the Avengers movies. Namor, you may not know because he's basically Marvel's answer to Aquaman. He's also a comic book fan favorite from Marvel. A lot of people were hoping that we would see Namor some hint at him somewhere in the MCU so far. But now there's a rumor that 
that Marvel, thus Disney, now has the right to both. This, ha this has not been confirmed yet. Because remember, one of the reasons we have not seen or even heard any hint at a standalone Hulk movie starring Mark Ruffalo that a lot of people want, because I love myself some Edward Norton. I thought he did a good job. But Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk now. He is Bruce Banner. And one of the one of the reasons we have not seen that movie is because of the legal issues behind it. The fact that Marvel did not have the rights, the full rights to make a movie. Is there any truth behind this? We will see. This next story comes from People Magazine. Greta Gerwig apparently called out Golden Globes voters before the event because her husband or boyfriend, let me see. Oh, it's her partner. Look, I understand the need for a lot of things that some people don't want to be called he or she. Some people won't be called they. I understand the need for all these different terms for people. And I get that. I support that. I will use them. One thing I will probably never get behind is use of the term partner because I just find it pretentious. It's like, oh, I, this isn't my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband, my wife. It's my partner. But either way, Gerwig was at the Golden Globes early because her partner, Noah Bombach was nominated for his movie Marriage Story. And so he was there to do press. She, of course, was snubbed for Little Woman. I mean, criminally snubbed. That movie was fantastic. Either way, she was there early. Her partner was doing the press and she saw a bunch of the members of the Hollywood Foreign Press, all of like a bunch of whom claimed that they voted for her to which she said, well, you didn't because I didn't get nominated. So like maybe one of you did, but it's not possible that all of you did. To which I applaud Greta Gerwig for calling those motherfuckers out. I would have respected them more if they had just told her, look, I'm sorry we didn't nominate you, but we just think these other people did a better job. It's bullshit and wrong, but I would, I would respect them a little more if they stuck to their guns because it's obvious not enough people voted for her because she wasn't nominated. How dare you lie to her face like that and say, oh, we, we voted for you. F*** you, you did. It's not like a politician, like you meet your local representative or you meet the president even. I don't care who the president at the time is. I don't give a f***. But you meet the president and go, uh, thank you, sir, or maybe in the future, madam, I voted for you. They will, they have no way of knowing. You could be lying your ass off. But the Hollywood foreign press is not a big group. So a group of them standing there telling her they voted for her, anyone with half a brain can go, mm, no, but you didn't, did ya? So good job, Greta Gerwig. You tell those group of ass what's up. In sad news, writer, actor, and producer Buck Henry passed away. You may not be familiar with his name, but you know something he's done. He was behind the original TV show, Get Smart. The original show, not the movie, mind you. The show, Get Smart. He was in the movie, Grumpy Old Men. He wrote The Graduate. And he was in the 1970s version of Catch-22 with Alan Arkin and uh, Bob Newhart. And it looks like he wrote and directed it. I mean, sorry, he wrote and was a star in it. This next story from Cinema Blend, you all know that I hate it when people say that Hollywood has no original ideas. No, they have original ideas. Your dumbass is just not looking hard enough. Well, as if it's trying to prove me wrong, there are more music biopics in the work following on the heels of the success of Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. We can look forward to, early in the works, a Bob Dylan biopic, a Michael Jackson biopic, 
and a Bee Gees biopic. Oh, and also David Bowie. Oh, David Bowie as well. Aretha Franklin, uh, Elvis Presley. Who else? Amy Winehouse. That's we, we don't. I'm sorry. We don't need that. We don't really need any of these, actually. But we don't actually need an Amy Winehouse documentary yet. I don't care if you like her. She was she's too recent. Anyway, Boy George are just some of the movies in the works. There's nothing known yet about most of these films besides that uh, Timothy Chalamet is being looked at for the role of Bob Dylan and that the Michael Jackson biopic is said to span his entire life, including the sexual abuse allegations that were recently explored in HBO's Leaving Neverland. I just want to take a quick moment to remind people that you have to take things like that with a grain of salt. Again, at work the other day, a Michael Jackson song came on and someone commented, how can we play this with what he's, with what he's done? It has never been, he has never been convicted of and has never been proven. Just because someone made a documentary of it doesn't mean it's true. There are documentaries about how the world is flat. There are documentaries about chemtrails. There are documentaries released in 2016 about both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and how they were the epitome of evil. I'm not saying we should just 100% not believe these these alleged victims. I'm saying that we should take things with a grain of salt, especially when they're not proven. Because if you remember me talking about it when it was leading up to this film coming out, there was evidence leaning towards why it is true, all the coercion and bribery and stuff, supposed coercion and bribery, and also evidence pointing to that, the fact that it's made up with one of the guy's uh, supposed victims offering to sell, trying to sell his story to the highest bidder, supposedly changing his tune to get more money. And unfortunately, unlike Harvey Weinstein's rape, we will never know the truth unless actual proof comes out. So just remember, take stuff like that with a grain of salt. But let's move on to news about Star Wars. I have two stories here. The first is when Star Wars tops 950 million, that uh, that from Forbes.com. And the next story is another one from Forbes, actually from the same guy, some douchebag named Scott Mendelson. He calls Star Wars Rise of Skywalker the first one billion disappointment. And I don't think you can call any movie that breaks one billion dollars worldwide one billion with a b a disappointment because remember it's all about how these stories are sold there's so many assholes out there that were just so negative on star wars since the new trilogy started that it just built up it built up this culture of negativity around the whole thing that this movie could have broken 1.5 billion and they'd still go oh it's a disappointment because also they're talking about how quickly it dropped, how it peaked the first weekend and then it kept dropping every other weekend. Could it possibly be that so many people saw it the first few weekends that that's why it's dropping so much? Hmm? And maybe that this whole this whole vibe of negativity around Star Wars keeps people from going back to see it like people did Endgame, like people did Infinity War, like people did the other huge Marvel movies. Like, this guy didn't like the movie either. And I really want to know what kind of mindset did he go into the movie with? I think people like him and these other assholes who claim they're Star Wars fans went to the movie expecting to hate it. One of my best friends of all time, Walker Jones. I love him to death. I love him to death. The man is my brother. But he goes into Star Wars movies already disappointed. And that is not the way to do it. 
If you go into a movie expecting to be disappointed like that, if you go into a movie expecting that you're going to hate it, that you're so down about it, you deserve to hate it. You deserve to see one of your favorite franchises, quote unquote, destroyed. You deserve every single thing that comes your way. And I love Walker. I would give him the shirt off my back, even though it would be comically big on him. Actually, that's another reason to give it to him, because it would be comically big on him. But anyone at his level and worse, just don't f***ing see the movie. Just don't go. Go home and cry alone, because that's what you deserve. But Walker, if you ever listen to the show again, just just come here and cry, because I miss you. This next story comes to us from Andy Wire. Oprah Winfrey exits the Russell Simmons sex abuse documentary, saying it will not air on Apple TV. For those of you who didn't know, Russell Simmons has been accused of sexual abuse and rape by multiple women, and there's a documentary being made about it. Oprah was an executive producer, is now stepping back, and the people behind the film have released a statement saying revealing hard truths is never easy. And the women in our documentary are all showing extraordinary strength and courage by raising their voices to address sexual abuse in the music industry. While we are disappointed that Oprah Winfrey is no longer an executive producer on the project, we are gratified that Winfrey has unequivocally said that she believes and supports the survivors in the film. The Me Too experiences of black women deserve to be heard, especially against powerful men. So we will continue with our plans to bring the film to the Sundance Film Festival, This film, more than two years in the making, will be our eighth film to premiere at Sundance. Uh, They go in a little more, and I don't care. In Oprah Winfrey's statement, she says, I have decided that I will no longer be executive producer on the untitled Kirby Dick and Amy Ziering documentary, and it will not air on Apple TV+. Because apparently that's where it's going. Which I think that's not bad. That's not going to Apple TV Plus because maybe it can go somewhere better. Anyway, she says, first and foremost, I want it to be known that I unequivocally believe and support the women. Their stories deserve to be told and heard. In my opinion, there is more work to be done on the film to illuminate the full scope of what victims endured. And it has become clear that the filmmakers and I are not aligned in that creative vision. And I do have to applaud Oprah on this because this is a ballsy move. Her show, her, her talk show has been off the air for a long time now, but people still eat up anything Oprah says. She can say, go out and say, you know what? I f***ing love spam and spam will be the new trendy food. She can say, you know what I love for my diet? I love a deep fried hamburger. Like take the entire hamburger and deep fry it in corn dog batter. And people go, hey, yeah, that's a trendy new health food is corn dog battered hamburgers. She can say anything and people will fucking eat it up. So I think it was a big risk, a huge risk of her stepping down from this movie because how many people will not even bother to read the story and just goes, oh, she exits this documentary. I guess it's bullshit. But you, my future friends, you are now more knowledgeable on the topic. So take that knowledge, use it. This new story from Variety, director Ruben Fleischer, Fleischer, whatever. The director of Venom has been eyed to direct the Uncharted movie. Yes, that Uncharted movie, which is never going to get made, probably. The one that was originally supposed to star, I believe, Mark Wahlberg. Was it Mark Wahlberg that was going to be in it? And then it was Tom Holland, but then it was going to be, he was playing a younger Nathan Drake and someone else would play older Nathan Drake, but it would be focused on younger Nathan Drake. But now it's being pushed forward even more and more and more. And will we ever see it? At this point, who the f*** cares? I think the time to capitalize on 
on an Uncharted movie has passed. Uncharted was a much-beloved video game series, and while some people still hold dear to it, its popularity has really passed. We're talking about new stuff now, different stuff. The Uncharted games are now PlayStation classics. And so now we only hear news about this movie being pushed further and further back, more and more setbacks. So I, I don't think it can turn out in any way other than bad. And something that's going to turn out bad, apparently Marvel Studios is going to delay the Hawkeye movie indefinitely. And this is when I learned, actually, that at one point they were thinking that the Hawkeye movie, or TV show, Disney Plus TV show, would star Haley Steinfeld playing Kate Bishop. That would actually be pretty cool. Okay, I would like to see that. But now the TV show has been, um, well, let's say put on hold and may never, ever come off hold. And this final story comes from comicbook.com. Iron Man himself, Robert Downey Jr., says that the war for me is over. This, when being asked if he will ever return to play Iron Man, he says the war for me is over. I personally have alighted to greener pastures, though he did say in a different in a different interview with Extra, he admits that anything could happen. So what that means, my future friends, is don't hold your breath to ever see him as Iron Man again in anything other than possible flashbacks, but also don't be surprised if he does return. Well, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break, which I will not forget this week, and let's hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right. Well, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. Well, let us start the trailer trove out with a trailer for a movie called Brahms, The Boy 2. This, of course, is a sequel to the horror movie from 2016 called The Boy, the one starring, let's see, Lauren Cohen, I think, was the only big name in it. And it's the one that has that creepy-ass doll that that's semi-lifelike. I mean, obviously, it's not a kid, but it's more lifelike than other dolls. Well, someone decided, you know what, we need a sequel to this, and someone else listened. So we have this movie called Brahms, The Boy 2, and in this film... We see in the trailer, we see Katie Holmes and Owen Yeoman. They have a kid. Their kid is slowly going cuckoo pants bananas. There's something off with him. So his therapist goes, you know what? A vacation. That's a good idea. And normally it would be. Except they pick a creepy ass old mansion and they decide to, hey, let's go live in this creepy ass old mansion in the middle of nowhere for a vacation. That's a f***ing great idea. It shouldn't be called Brahms, the boy too. It should be called Bahamas, the boy too. Get the f*** out of the creepy house. That's what it should be called. But no, they go into this creepy ass house. We all know it's a terrible idea. They don't though. And their boy finds this doll. 
Guess what? It's the same doll from the first one. And he starts getting closer and closer to this doll. Weird starts happening and um, nothing good can come from this. It's interesting that it, it's just a slightly, ever so slightly bigger cast for this movie than the first one. I, I do believe Katie Holmes is a bigger name than, um, what's that woman's name? Lauren Cohen? Yeah, Lauren Cohen, who you'd know from The Walking Dead. Or good things like Supernatural, thank you. And Owen Yeoman has been around for a while. He's been uh, doing t- lots of TV, like The Mentalist, Generation Kill, uh, Turn, Washington Spies, Emergence, Kitchen Confidential, Brahms, The Boy 2. Doesn't look bad. Uh, I just don't want to see a movie about a creepy doll. Or maybe I do. Maybe I do, and I want to wait so I can watch it at home, so I can have my blanket, that blanket that protects you from evil sh- That is something that kids know that adults forget. Blankets protect you from evil. And so do your sheets. Your bed sheets protect you from evil too. Hiding under it, evil can't get to you. Big ass monster outside, oh I can't get to this kid. He's under the sheets. Oh well. Fun fact, same goes for adults. Oh, this creepy ass doll wants to scare me and kill me. Well, he's wrapped in a blanket. We can't get him. He's in a blanket burrito. This film comes out February 21st. Next up, folks, we have another new trailer for The New Mutants. This is that long, long, long awaited mutant horror movie that's supposed to be taking place in the uh, taking place in the X-Men universe, because we all know the story that. Well, OK, anyone who read the comics knows the story of The New Mutants. But my question for this is is, is this just Disney releasing this movie that was already made? They're going, okay, we're just going to release this, but then we're going to scrap all this and go somewhere else. Because if they're, they are going with this, if they're just not releasing it to get it out of the way, to make it, recoup any money they can, if they're not just doing that, then this is going to lay some groundwork, at least a little for any future X-Men or mutant related movie. It may not lay the full foundation, but it's going to put at least a little down because we're introducing the term mutants to the MCU. Because if you remember the mutant or the term mutant is something they have never used before. Marvel writers had to come up with some other way to explain Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. But now we can use this term. Either way, we have this movie that was being done by 20th Century Fox that Disney, of course, purchased 20th Century Fox. All their properties belong to Disney now. And Disney had these movies that were already either fully or partially made that they had to make decisions on. A lot of stuff was scrapped. The New Mutants is one of the ones that was so far along, almost complete, that they decided to keep it. Hopefully the delay was of course in part due to the merger or the the purchase of 20th Century Fox, but I also hope that part of the delay is Disney slash Marvel cleaning up the general show, which was most 20th Century Fox movies. Okay, I don't mean all 20th Century Fox movies, just 20th Century Fox comic movies. Yes, they did do some good things. They really did, but their track record was so close to 50% that when a new film came out, it really wasn't worth the risk. This one doesn't look bad, but of course we've said that before. But in case you're not familiar, The New Mutants, at least this movie, is made up of people like Wolfsbane, Magic. Magic is Colossus's sister, a super powerful magic user. She can teleport, she can use sorcery, she can uh, summon armor and a sword. Sunspot, who can take solar energy and transfer it into superhuman strength and other powers. And it's weird that if you look on the IMDb page, Charlie Heaton, who you would know from, um, 
You know him from Stranger Things as Jonathan Byers. They have his character as Sam Guthrie, not Cannonball, which maybe he just doesn't call himself Cannonball yet. But it's weird that we have Macy Williams and Anya Taylor-Joy playing characters who are fairly new to their powers, but we know their names, we know their magic in Wolfsbane, and we know uh, Roberto de la Costa's sunspot. But the fact of the matter remains, we can say whatever we want about the New Mutants, is that it is the last of the 20th Century Fox properties. And because of that, because it wasn't Disney and Marvel behind it, even though Disney had the chance to clean it up, I don't think we should trust this movie in theaters when it comes out April 3rd. I think we should either wait for reviews from actual nerds, people who love movies to come out, not critics, or just wait for wait to watch it at home. Folks, the next trailer we have to talk about is the next and maybe even final new trailer for Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And I've already told you a, a few times I'm not stoked for this movie. I, I, I don't hold out hope, not just because it's DC, but because it just doesn't feel right. It. Anne said to me, and I totally agree, that it feels like a poorly done fan-made trailer. Like someone on the internet took scenes from other movies, spliced them all together, and then just put it online. The only good thing about the new Birds of Prey trailer, the only good thing is that we see that Black Mask actually has a black mask. It's about f***ing time. Even though I love looking at Ewan McGregor's handsome face, if he's playing Black Mask, he should be wearing a black mask it looks like finally we have seen it we do know it exists now and we know he wears it at least a little in the movie but the fact of the matter is this still doesn't look that good but you know what if you're interested that's great uh, i hope you do enjoy it for me and i think of a lot a lot of other people we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna skip this and by the way where the f is huntress's mask and outfit what what the f is going on with that you don't have to do the straight-up purple garb like she's known for, but you know, come on. At least try a little. I can understand Black Canary not having her domino mask. That's not a big deal. But Huntress, really? And I'm not sure if we've seen Victor Zaz in the trailers or not, but if we have, where the f*** are his scars? I really do hope we see Victor Zaz one day in a Batman film. Seeing him in a Birds of Prey film is not the right way to introduce him. Have the Birds of Prey fought Victor Zaz? Yeah. But he's known for being a Batman villain. All right, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's instead talk about a movie that's totally not going to be really depressing and tense called Waiting for Anya. This is a movie based on a book written by writer Michael Morpurgo, who also wrote War Horse. So, you know, he loves to do happy things. And if you've ever heard me talk about the book The Nightingale, which I think I've mentioned once or twice on the show, this has a similar premise, but it's it's different in a few important ways. So this book is about a young boy who, uh, he goes to live with someone. I, I don't know. It it's a, maybe it's a relative of his, or for some reason, he's in France during World War II, and he's going to live with this woman. He finds out that this woman is hiding Jews. Then, this guy helps these Jews across the mountains into Spain, where, guess what? They're not going to just be up and killed, where things are a little safer for them. So it's about this boy who lives in this little town in France during this time, and then guess what? Germans find out, or let's, let's be honest, let's say Nazis find out, that somehow Jews are escaping over this mountain, so they go into this town they get, hey, and they say, hey, we're going to set up here now. And you know what? We're going to kill anyone we see doing this. Shit. One of the contacts on the other side, one of the people who helps the kids get over the mountain is a 
a Jew who fled persecution and, well, murder himself, who's also looking for his daughter named Anya. And he says he's not going to go to safety. He's not going to go until Anya is one of the children he takes. So, you know, not something that's going to be totally sad and soul crushing. But this stars Angelica Houston and Jean Reno. So right there, that is a great cast. And then we just add to it someone who's fairly new, but you should know, Noah Schnapp, who you would know as Will from, that's right, Stranger Things. And in this film, he's doing a questionable French accent. So he's at least going to be on par with Emma Watson's American accent, which is sketchy at best. This movie looks good. It looks like something that's not going to get a wide release. Just from the, it sounds weird, but take a look at the, at the poster for Waiting for Anya, and you can just tell from looking at it that it's not a wide release. It actually has this straight-to-VOD look to it. Like, I would be going through the bargain bin at Walmart and see this and go, oh yeah, I remember talking about this film on the show. I want to get this. What? It's $3. What a bargain. Not speaking about the quality of the film, because frankly, I don't know the quality of the film yet, because it's not out, but just, just the design just seems cheap. Either way, this does look like a good film, a familiar story because we've seen stories like this before. We've heard about them. But like I've said before, it's one that needs to be told. Waiting for Anya comes out the February, the February (laughs) comes out the February 7th. And finally, my future friends, we have the teaser trailer, the very first teaser trailer for Morbius. And good God, Morbius actually looks like Morbius. But here's the question. How often or how much in this movie, will he look like that? But that question aside, this this doesn't look bad, but I'm I'm still not sold. I'm, I'm still really not sold on this. And I believe I misspoke earlier. This isn't a, uh, an official Marvel Disney film. This is a Sony film done with, I believe, Marvel's help. Oh, it's actually in association with Marvel. And during this teaser, you don't actually see the Sony name. All you see is Columbia, which of course is a company within the Sony family. So don't let that fool you. This is still in the same universe as Spider-Man and Venom. But my question now is, did we need a Morbius movie? Did we really need this? Because it it looks like they get the idea behind Morbius. They they get the look of him. They get the, the feeling of the movie kind of feels like, well, Morbius, like a dark, scary ass vampire. But did we really need this? Out of all the comic book characters they could have picked, did they look at Morbius and go, I know that one. Yes. And again, this is the first teaser trailer, so it's way too early to tell. But my initial feeling of this film is just, oh, it's okay. Like, if this was the only trailer we got and it was coming out next week, I would 100% say skip it in theaters and just watch it later. I skipped Venom in theaters. I don't regret it. This looks along those lines, but maybe not as good as Venom ended up being. Morbius has a release date of July 31st this year. And fun fact, there is a picture of Spider-Man in the trailer. We see Spider-Man drawn on a wall with murder written all over him. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer drove. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our good, good friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? 
You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomeoneNerdy.com. All right, we are back with the limited releases, so let's just get started with one called A Fall from Grace. Disheartened since her ex-husband's affair, Grace Waters feels restored by a new romance. But when secrets erode her short-lived joy, Grace's vulnerable side turns violent. This stars Crystal Fox from Big Little Lies, Tyler Perry from Star Trek, Mikad Brooks from True Blood, Felicia Rashad from The Cosby Show, and Cicely Tyson from The Help. And if we're being technical about this, this movie should be called Tyler Perry's A Fall From Grace. And I know I just don't get it. I just don't get Tyler Perry's appeal. Except for a couple of his Medea movies, I just think all of them look like very, very done, very unoriginal ideas. This movie just looks too basic to be any good. Next up, we have a film called Disturbing the Peace. A small-town marshal who hasn't carried a gun since he left the Texas Rangers after a tragic shooting must pick up his gun again to do battle with a gang of outlaw bikers that have invaded the small town to pull off a brazen and violent heist. This stars Guy Pierce from L.A. Confidential, Devon Sawa from Final Destination, and Barbie Blank, who, if you have ever watched, or if you ever watched wrestling in the mid-2000s, you would know her as former diva Kelly Kelly. I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of love for diva-era wrestlers, and they did kind of, they did really spearhead the movement, like, women's wrestling is so much better now than it was, but, god, those matches were boring and awful. But it's true, without them, we wouldn't have the matches we do now. Which aren't always good, but hey, we get more more Becky and Charlotte is really what we need. And wow, how Guy Pierce has fallen. Remember when he was the new hotness and when and now he's he's doing this. Yeah, at least he's working, so good good for him. Next up we have a film called The Host. A chance opportunity arises for Robert Atkinson, a London banker who risks his bank's money to leave the mundane behind and start a new life. He signs with a Chinese cartel to transport a briefcase to Amsterdam, but not is all as it seems. When he goes missing, his brother is sent to find him, and if he doesn't find him, his brother's family will be killed. This stars no one of note and should be skipped by anyone who likes movies. And finally, in the limited release section, we have a movie called The Wave. Frank, an opportunistic insurance lawyer, thinks he's in for the time of his life when he goes out on the town to celebrate an upcoming promotion with his co-worker Jeff. But their night takes a turn when Frank is dosed with a hallucinogen that completely alters his perception of the world. This stars Justin Long from Live Free, Die Hard, Donald Faison from Scrubs, Tommy Flanagan from Gladiator, and Sheila Van from A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And it kind of seems like this movie was trying to be something along the lines of Inherent Vice, but couldn't quite make make it. It feels like it's trying to be funnier and a little more wacky than Inherent Vice, but it has that feeling of that we have the serious story and we just throw something, something wacky into the mix that kind of changes things up, but we still have the serious story to follow. And it just, it misses the mark. And you know what? I know we just went on a break, but forgive me. We only have one, two, three, four, five movies in the wide releases section. So let's just take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. We'll be right back. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the f did we get here? Fuck all that goddamn jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And the first film is one that just barely, just barely made it into the wide releases section. Just because it looks, it looks interesting. It's an interesting idea, and I'm willing to give it a try one day. Maybe. That film is called Extracurricular Activities. A mature and intelligent high school student has a side job arranging accidental deaths of his fellow student's parents. No two deaths are alike. A detective notices the student being connected to all of the kid's dead parents, and the two face off. Who will win? This stars Colin Ford from Under the Dome, Patrick Fabian from The Last Exorcism, Angela Kinsey from The Office, and Darlene Vogel from Pacific Blue. This looks funny. This is a movie about murder, but it's one of those that really take it in a comedic sort of way. So we have this kid who wants a summer job. Well, actually, maybe not summer, but he just wants to make some money on the side. So he decides that, you know what? You know what I'll do is I will murder parents of students who want their parents dead. What a great idea. What could possibly go wrong? Turns out he's really, really good at it. And it takes a while until anyone notices, and it's only this one cop who notices, this one, this one detective who notices anything. No one else believes the cop. No one else on the force, no one else even looks twice at this kid, but this cop somehow knows, figures it out, that this kid is the one killing all of these parents. He just doesn't know how. So can this kid, who's, who's murdering these parents, can he outsmart the cop? Will he have to resort to killing the cop? Will the cop catch a kid? Or will it be some sort of weird stalemate? And the deaths vary. Uh, there's one, it looks like, where he just drugs this guy's really creepy father who's sitting in a hot tub and then he drowns. And another one where this other student's mother is having an affair and she's having sex in a car with her lover and he causes a tree branch to fall in the car, crushing them. And the good news is it's not nearly as gruesome as it could be. And in fact, each death can even be looked at as comedic based on the timing of certain things or even a line a character delivers right before or, or right after. This movie doesn't look amazing. doesn't look that great. It just looks like it could be fun. It could be slightly enjoyable, something to make you laugh, but you kind of forget about. I think that's what this movie is going to be. Extracurricular Activities gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie that looks... I think it's going to be better quality-wise than the two bigger releases, but let's be honest, the other two are going to be way easier to find. And then we have the pick of the week, of course, so let's talk about Troop Zero. It's 1977, and in rural Georgia, a misfit girl dreams of life in outer space. When a competition offers her a chance to be recorded on NASA's golden record, she recruits a makeshift troop of birdie scouts forging friendship that lasts a lifetime. Aww. This stars McKenna Grace from Gifted, Viola Davis from The Help, Jim Gaffigan from The Jim Gaffigan Show, Allison Janney from Juno, 
Mike Epps from Next Friday, and Charlie Shotwell from Captain Fantastic. And I think this movie looks adorable. It looks charming, it looks witty, it looks cute, and I really want to see this. And the good news is it's an Amazon original, so after it hits theaters, there's a very good chance it can go straight to Prime. Hell, since it's not being, it doesn't look like it's being touted as a potential future Oscar nomination, so I think there's even a good chance it could hit Amazon Prime the same day. Though we all know by now how it works. If if a streaming service thinks their movie could potentially win anything, then it's going to hit the it's going to hit the theater circuit for a while just to be eligible for nominations. Otherwise, the only thing it could possibly get would be an Emmy for TV movie. I like McKenna Grace. I think we're going to see a lot of her. I think she is going to be the newest version of Dakota Fanning or Abigail Breslin or one of those actresses who impresses us when they're kids. And then the question is, can they keep it going when they're adults? Well, right now, we don't have to worry about that because we have McKenna Grace. She is a talented child actress and we get to see her in movies like this. And I think this is a familiar yet important story of the scrappy group of misfits who proves that they can do what the rich or talented or quote unquote normal kids can do. They can do it too, maybe even better. They forge friendships along the way. And with movies like this, we all know that even if McKenna Grace's character doesn't win, if she doesn't get to be on that golden record, then at least she came out on top because she's no longer a outcast. She's no longer the weird kid because she found people like her and got out of her comfort zone. And that's a very common lesson in movies like this, where you didn't need blank. You had it the whole time. You don't have to be one of the cool kids. You don't have to conform to your time's sense of normal. You can find friends and get, gain acceptance in other ways by being yourself. And I think that is always an important lesson because it's always going to be something we need to know. Maybe not you and me personally, but it's always going to be something that someone needs to hear. So we have this cute and funny looking movie that just so happens to have a good message with it that even if you don't need that message in your life, it still looks like a movie that's worth your time. And you know what? My first... Uh, my first time seeing Allison Janney was on The West Wing. So seeing her as C.J. Craig, this strong woman who was the, the White House press secretary and she didn't take no shit from anyone. And it's interesting now that she can play people like C.J. Craig. She can play the uh, like a goody two-shoe mom type character and she can also play a stone cold bitch. And she is playing an, an antagonist in this movie. So we get to see her in something you may not be used to. So yay. Troop Zero looks good. I don't think you should go to the theaters to see it because it's more than likely coming to Amazon Prime. And come on, you, you should have Prime now and at the very least know someone who has Prime so you have access to the movies. Troop Zero gets an 8 out of 11. Next up this week we have a film called Bad Boys for Life. The bad boys Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett are back together for one last ride. This stars Will Smith Martin Lawrence, and Joe Pantliano from Bad Boys 1 and 2. New to the series are Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical, Alexander Ludwig from Vikings, and Charles Melton from Riverdale. So ladies and gentlemen, if you remember, the original Bad Boys came out in 1995, and it was, it was a huge hit. It was a, a classic action crime comedy, and it had two 
very popular people at the time. I mean, this was before Will Smith really exploded, but he was popular already. And then we also had director Michael Bay behind the helm. And guess what? This was before most of us knew he was utter garbage because this movie wasn't bad. I mean, Bad Boys isn't a great film, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's what Michael Bay should have been stuck to. But no, he didn't. He winded up making utter garbage. I'm not sure if you saw or if I've talked about it yet, but I saw that Six Underground movie and it was horrible. You know, I may have even talked about it on this show already. That's how bad my memory is. But God, I could not finish it. Uh, And when I said that I wanted to stop it or stop watching it and just watch something else and did not mind in the slightest, it was utter garbage. But back then in 1995 and actually again in 2003, we see that Michael Bay at one point did good work. Not great, of course, but good work. We saw it. He could do it. The good news is with this film, he's keeping his garbage ass away from this movie. And now we have directors Adil El Arbi. Arbi? Really? Like the sandwich chain? Okay, whatever. And Bilal Fala as co-directors of this movie. Fun fact, they're also attached to Beverly Hills Cop 4 to direct that. So if this movie isn't garbage, we know there's hope for the next Beverly Hills Cop movie. But the good news is that this looks like more of the same. Bad Boys for Life looks like it's more of the same. And with a movie like this, with the third installment of a series that we haven't seen anything from since the early 2000s, what else do you expect? If you expect anything else, or if you want anything more, then I'm sorry, you should look elsewhere. Because when something like this comes out, when Beverly Hills Cop 4 comes out, if they do, hell, a, a True Lies 2, or if they do anything else that's similar to this, you should expect more of the same. You should expect a basic film that's just like movies that have come before it that may not be better, but it is at least comparable. This movie looks entertaining and and maybe even worth it in the theater, but that's up to you. Myself, I don't think I'm going to see this in theaters unless... I'm already in the theater. I'm leaving seeing another movie and someone goes, hey, do you want this free ticket to Bad Boys for Life that's starting right now? Then I might go, yes. Other than that, I will skip this. It doesn't look bad, but unless you're a huge, huge Bad Boys fan, it looks like something you can wait for. Bad Boys for Life, Bad Boys. What you gonna do when they get a 7 out of 11? We have two movies left, folks, two movies left, and the last movie that's not the pick of the week is called Doolittle. After the death of his wife, Dr. Doolittle hides away in his vast estate surrounded by his animals, but when the queen falls ill, he's pulled from his hermit life to help find a cure. This stars Robert Downey Jr. from Zodiac, Antonio Banderas from The Mask of Zorro, Michael Sheen from Good Omens, and Jim Broadbent from Moulin Rouge. This also features the voices of Emma Thompson, Rami Malek, John Cena, Kumal Nanjiani, Octavia Spencer, Tom Holland, Craig Robinson, Rafe Fiennes, Selena Gomez, Marion Cotier, and Jason Manazukis. So if you remember me talking about it when I heard that they were making another Doolittle movie, or just any movie featuring Dr. Doolittle, I was thinking, really? Why? Why again? Why do we need another movie with Dr. Doolittle? And then I saw the trailer and I changed my tone a bit. I just changed my tone a little bit because 
While I do think this movie looks entertaining, I think it's going to be cute and enjoyable, I still don't think this had to be made. It just kind of dawned on me what a silly thing that is to say, because you can say that about so many things. Did any of these movies have to be made? Did we need a Bad Boys 3? Do we need Troop Zero? Do we need extracurricular activities? No, but when it comes to movies like this, when we have something that's been made before, that's been made quite a few times, of course, these are based off a series of novels, and the first movie starred Rex Harrison. Rex Harrison from My Fair Lady and The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Oh, and I forgot, also Richard Attenborough was in it. Richard Attenborough, of course, John Hammond from the, uh, from the Jurassic Park movies. But this film has been done so many times in TV and movies and TV movies that even though I think it looks good, even though I like Robert Downey Jr., even though it has a lot going for it, I'm still kind of thinking this is skippable. And the reason I'm being so wishy-washy about it is because I liked the trailers. I did. I thought this looks entertaining. This looks fun. I will watch this one day. Will I see it in theaters? No, probably not. But I think most people, if you see this movie, you will enjoy it. You will watch a fun film. Nothing horribly memorable. Nothing really good in any specific way. Just just basic. So I think this would be the movie this week to see that would fully capitalize on the theater experience. The next movie I think is better, but would also be just as good at home. This film, you may consider it. Doolittle gets an 8 out of 11. And next up, the final movie, My Future Friends, is a film called Weathering With You. A high school boy who has run away to Tokyo befriends a girl who appears to be able to manipulate the weather. This is an anime movie from director Makoto Shinkai who brought us the amazing film called Your Name. This is it. It's finally coming out. The movie that I got so excited for when the first trailer came out. When I even heard that Makoto, Makoto Shinkai was doing another movie, I was already sold. I want to see this. Makoto Shinkai is like Hayao Miyazaki or Mamoru Hosoda. Just a director that when they do a new movie, it's just worth a watch. Miyazaki, classic, of course. He has done some amazing films. Mamoru Hosoda has done classics like Summer Wars, Wolf Children, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. He worked on Samurai Champloo. Oh, the original Digimon he worked on. Jesus Christ, good for you. But I think movies like this, movies like Weathering With You, movies like Your Name, movies like Summer Wars and Princess Mononoke and anything from these three directors, not just them, you know, there are others, but these three are the ones that stand out. Anything from them is a perfect example to show people who are iffy on anime. Because, yes, there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of really weird stuff. There's a lot of gross stuff. There's a lot of anime. There's a ton of anime out there. But movies like this are the perfect example of how great it could be. I want to make a point to see this movie in theaters. And with the fact that Your Name was a huge success, I think that this movie will be easier to watch than a normal anime movie coming out that will hit the States. I think this will be much easier to find. I remember seeing the Cowboy Bebop movie in theaters, and that was hard to find. This one, even though Cowboy Bebop was really spectacular, was really good, really well-received, super popular still, I think Your Name made such waves 
that more places will pick up Weathering with you, just in case it's the next Your Name. And from what I heard, this is a really good movie, not as amazing as Your Name was, but definitely good. Because you know what, I have to be honest, I'm not the weeb I used to be. I used to be the biggest weeb, but I'm just not anymore. But I still like anime, and I would still wholeheartedly recommend movies like this, movies like Your Name, movies like Princess, Mon- Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Wolf Children, maybe not Wolf Children, but Summer Wars, things like that. I would gladly push this forward to people who don't normally watch the genre and go, here, try this. Because I hold movies like this so up high in the upper echelons of anime examples that if they don't like that, if they don't like this movie or others like it, they probably won't like any. And sure, there's still people out there who won't even give anime a shot. I don't want to watch no Asian cartoon. What's a manga? I swear to God, Dan. I swear to God. Dan from the Watch Your Mouth podcast. It is pronounced f***ing manga, not manga. I love you. You are a fantastic human being. You are a great guy through and through. But I will cut you. I think if we lived closer to each other, we would be really good friends. Like, really close. But I will physically harm you. Love your face. What more can I say about this? This looks like an interesting movie. And you already know if you're the type who would either already want to see this or would even be willing to give it a chance. I hope you're one of those two. Because I do get it. There are some people who just don't like animation. And even though I can't wrap my head around that, I, I can't understand it. Like, what, what block is there that keeps you from enjoying this? I do understand it's a thing. So, you know what? It is not for everyone, but I think this movie is so is going to be so good that I had to make it my pick of the week and not even make it a dual pick. This is my only pick of the week. And I predict it will go on my short list of greatest movies of the year. That is my prediction right now. Weathering With You gets an 11 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time to take our final break before we get into the question of the week so let's hear a word from our good good friends at the we're doing fine podcast with robbie and lisa please stay tuned hi i'm lisa and i'm robbie and we host a show called we're We're doing Doing Fine. fine we're friends from across the ocean i'm from scotland and i'm from california join us every week as we chat about biscuits you mean cookies brexit whatever's going on here who knows almost dying why we're single popular culture and basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in because we're We're doing doing fine and we're back we are back with the question of the week so if you do not remember the question of the week was an easy one it's my favorite question of the year one of them because it's so easy what movie from 2020 are you looking forward to the most But before we get into that, we did get an answer for the last question from Brian Q, and I had already messaged him before he had a chance to message me that I failed. I already noticed. So he said, Christmas movie gift. So if if you don't remember, the last question was, which movie would you like to receive for a Christmas gift? And he says, I would love to have Barry Lyndon from a streaming service in the best slash highest definition possible in perpetuity. On a side note. True Romance might be the most underrated movie ever. Barry Lyndon, of course, a Stanley Kubrick film from 1975. I knew it was Stanley Kubrick the date I had to look up. 
And True Romance, of course, from the early 90s. When was it? 1993 from writer, not director, writer Quentin Tarantino, starring Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Bronson Pinchot, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Rappaport, Saul Rubinick, good God almighty, James Gandolfini. Conchata Farrell, who if you don't know that name, you know her as the snarky uh, maid or housekeeper from Two and a Half Men. You know, I'm glad you brought this movie up because I remember it, but I forgot the cast was that huge. Oh my God, that's a cast. Well, let's not forget to talk about his answer for this week. So a reminder, which movie are you looking forward to the most? And he says, there are a few movies that seem to have a bit of promise in 2020. I'm curious about what they'll do with Jungle Cruise. Most of the movies make me wonder why a handful of self-righteous ass make and spend so much money i'm most interested in dune it's the movie with the greatest potential but that also opens it up to be the greatest disappointment that is so true there's been so much hype so much hubbub around dune so far and we still know so little we know a lot of the actors we know the director so far we know that uh, dennis Villanueva is directing it we know that starring in it, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Jathan Momoa, Stellan Skarsgård, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Dave Bautista, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. So a f***ing huge cast doing a beloved sci-fi book uh, and doing it again because we had the original movie and then we had a, t- a new TV adaptation. We had the original from, let me see, 1984. And then the TV miniseries from, when was it? The year 2000, starring William Hurt. Oh, that was the biggest name. William Hurt. Nothing against him. So where we have the 1984 Dune as a classic sci-fi movie, a classic action-adventure sci-fi. It holds a spot in the heart of so many We also have this new film coming out by a director who I don't think will just give us some bullshit blockbuster film, even though I do love me some bullshit blockbusters. I I think that he would give it the attention it needs. But Denis Villanueva, in my opinion, is also very hit or miss. He mainly hits in the case of Sicario, um, you know, Blade Runner 2049. Sure. Yeah. Actually, out of the movies I've seen, I don't see any that are huge, oh my god, terrible misses. So, you know what? Good for him. But it's like Brian Q said, this film has so much promise. And when something has so much promise, it, there's, it also has so much risk of being a disaster. The next answer, oh, we're spoiled this week. We have two answers from outside this house. Frat Matt, our good friend, one of our oldest listeners, him and Brian Q, some of our oldest listeners here. He says Bond 25 and right. But I wonder if you if you were anything like me or if you're completely different when you saw the teaser for Bond 25, were you just like, "Mm, really? Because I was disappointed. And then the full trailer came out and now I'm excited. Because if you remember that episode where I talked about the Bond 25 trailer, it really was just like it happened. I was getting ready to record the part where I was going to shit all over the teaser, and then the new trailer drops, and I am very excited. And you know what? I could have sworn there was one more answer. I thought Critter answered, and I don't see it anywhere. But we all know if it's going to happen to someone, it's going to happen to Critter. So, sorry, buddy. So let us turn to this very household's answers, and let's start with Anne, who says Halloween kills. 
Halloween Kills, set to come out October 16th. Oh, I didn't talk about the other movie's release dates. We'll, we'll get to that. Directed by David Gordon Green, who, who directed the last Halloween movie, that even though it rewrote the canon, I thought it was very good. So I think this movie has a very stupid name, but it has promise. We have the cast returning of Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Andy Matichak, I think is how you say her name, from the first one. Adding to the cast, we have, let's see, Anthony Michael Hall and Dylan Arnold. Oh, he was that dumb kid, wasn't he? Oh, he was her shitty boyfriend. That's right. Anyway, we had an actual reboot for something that was just as good as anyone could have hoped, even better. And we're getting three more Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends, Halloween Kills coming out this year. Dune has a 20, of course 2020, because this year, Dune has a December 18th release date and Bond 25 has a release date of August 20th. I lied. April 10th. I was looking at the re- last year's release of the No Sh**. They had the No Time to Die official title reveal listed as a movie on IMDb. Good good for you guys. But anyway, April 10th, the release date for that. And it's my turn. And just take a wild guess at what, what my most anticipated movie, the movie I'm most excited for in 2020 is. Just take a guess. Guest. <laughs> just take a guess. If you said Ghostbusters Afterlife, maybe you've listened to the show before. Maybe you know I love me some Ghostbusters, and maybe you heard me verbally orgasm when I was talking about the trailer. That film comes out the week of my birthday, and I am so excited. So, so excited. I need it. I need it. Even if the next trailer that releases totally shits the bed, even if that happens, I would still be excited for this. But the first trailer killed it. Oh, McKenna Grace is in this too, just like Troop Zero. McKenna Grace is in f***ing everything. All right, my future friends, it is time for the new question of the week, and I have to think of one off the top of my head. I know. I know. Robert Downey Jr. is in f***ing everything. He has played so many different people, so many well-known characters. He's been in so much stuff. He has played Iron Man. He has played Sherlock Holmes. He has played now Dr. Doolittle. Give me one more. At very least, at the very least, one more already popular character from any medium, already popular character that you would want to see him play. So give me another popular character that Robert Downey Jr. can play. Well, my future friends, that is it for episode 161. I will see you again next week. But for now, let me send you along your way with the closing housekeeping that's totally not pre-recorded. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's nerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, 
My future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.